Carrot, hop on, hop on your friend's line. That's it. Are you going to be able to do this with two dogs in here? Is it going to break your brain? No, <laughs> I'm going to be fucking great. It's easy. Yeah. <laughs> Are we recording? Yeah. Oh, they got a lot of... I have to put my podcast voice and not my dog voice in. <laughs> <laughs> What's your dog voice? Hey, guys, we got to chill. Get on the couch. In my podcasting There's voice. so hard. I wish I could chill like that. That's true. Yuma does like she like puts her feet off the couch like oh I, I don't even need this shit. <laughs> okay, here we are. We're not talking about dogs. Is gorgeous. I'm just gonna do this quick before Miguel does. Hi, welcome to Discorgeous. It's a podcast mm. about wine. <laughs> My wow. name is. I like that you got anxious about that. Now. Explains a lot why you've been so uh, on eggshells. <laughs> My name is John McCarroll, um, and I am a certified nasty boy. <laughs> My name is Kevin Diamond, and our guest today is Miguel De Leon. Uh, you know him. You love him. Hi. You want some more of him? Uh, yeah, level level two WAP. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be a bad episode for the Miguel haters, and I know you're all out there. Why don't you just turn it off, go do something else? <laughs> I'll probably do it better than you. <laughs> Dogs are on the floor. It's great. They're just sniffing each other's butts. It's fine. I love that. The, the funniest thing is that like Yuma's like five times the size of carrots. Yeah. So if there's a misunderstanding... Yes, you guys are. I'm going to hate editing this episode. Yeah. There's going to be so yeah. many oh, wait, parts. Oh, we're going to edit an episode. Yeah. Not because we say anything bad, but because like John was worrying about a dog. Um, hi. Um, we're talking about Bordeaux today, I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're talking about Bordeaux. Hi, we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> you guys stop. <laughs> stop jib jabbing. <laughs> okay, it's going to be fine. They're going to settle in a second, and then we'll start the episode. Yeah, the less real. settled you are, the less settled they will yeah. be. I'm sorry. I just. I don't want my dog to eat Miguel's dog. <laughs> I don't think your dog. Will you would. It would be funny if like you had to like serve Miguel for thirty years because your dog ate his or something. Like there was some kind of a pact. What? That you had to be his page. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Like yeah. This. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? It's like, oh yeah, I owe Miguel. Well, my dog law. ate his dog, and yeah, you know, we were doing a Bordeaux episode, so Bordeaux <laughs> lost dates. Okay. Yeah. Here we are. Everyone's settled. <laughs> I'm using my podcast voice. Up oh, and now they're they're looking at each other. <laughs> they're sniffing. Speaking of dogs, have you guys have you guys seen that? Like it's one of the the newest um, uh, breeds that <gasps> that the kennel clubs um, are recognizing. It's called a dog de Bordeaux. No, what? Yeah, a dog de Bordeaux. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. What does it look like? I'm, I'm gonna pull it up for you. Is it like a digger or like a a ratter? No, it looks it looks like a it looks like a. Um, Looks like a boxer face dog. Mm-hmm. We should call this episode the Dirty Dogs of Bordeaux. <laughs> Hell oh. yeah. Oh, that's very. It's like if British people were in France. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, was just, I was like, if British people were dogs? Like, yeah. Kevin, wow. Um, Kevin, yeah. close that window because we have oh, too yeah. much train. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm in. I need a one dance. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Discorgeous. Do you want to describe this episode, John? Yeah. So um, this is the second episode of Bordeaux in the USA. Kevin, do you have a musical sting for that? No. Do you want to sing it? No. Okay. <laughs> I, I went down to a dead Dutch town. First something something when I did a frown. <laughs> you didn't like when I sent you that thing about Walloons. 
I don't like that phrase, <laughs> man. There's two kinds of Belgians, I found out. Walloons and the Flemish. This is a Chris Rock Correct. bit. It's true. It's true. The, it's true. The, the people who speak German, the people who speak French. French, yeah. And the Walloons, I mean, it just sounds like they're like bad guys in Mario Brothers. Yeah, I don't so. trust a Walloon. Or like, or like a secondary Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is our episode about... Um, the Bordeaux appellation, and we're kind of circling around what it means to be from Bordeaux with four wines. <laughs> yeah, that, we're, we're rimming Bordeaux. Yeah, right <laughs> we're rimming, it, it, and we're finding out what makes it tick. Uh-huh. Um, so we have four wines that um for that are all VDFs. Um, two of which I can see, and two of which is fucking psychotic to me. And so what we are going to be is hopefully happy. The three. The three. God, he is he is a high school production of Hamilton. Um, oh boy. Um, okay, well we're starting with Ormeow. Yep. 2018. It uh, sounds like Austin Powers. James. <laughs> this is the least amount of concentration I've ever done for a podcast. I am, I feel like I'm going insane. I can't believe people are going to listen to this. This actually reminds me of when we when the few times we did live episodes mm-hmm. where like. You were going through the motions of talking into a microphone, but like your brain was doing like a thousand calculations of whether every person you could see was judging you or not. It's sort of similar. It's well, fun to watch. We should do a live show soon. Huh? <laughs> um, I just this is kind of scary for me because um, like this is now when we start getting to saying stuff about Bordeaux that people might remember. Like okay. The Southwest was practiced. Now we're gonna have to start right. saying things about Bordeaux. Right. Southwest is Praxis, yeah. for sure. <laughs> Praxis. Um, yeah. Wait, should, do you want me to start by saying like dumb dumb guy stuff? Say some dumb stuff. All right, here's what I know about Bordeaux. Uh, I like Centimillon. I like uh, uh, the right bank mm-hmm. more than the left bank, I think. Uh, and for a little while, I sold a wine from Entre de Mer that was pretty good. Entre um, de Mer was my first first wine I liked was an Entre de Mer. Right, because it was like... Oh, wet or, like, or red? It's white. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mine was a red. What from the Goat Boy book? Yeah, I forget the producer's name. It was spelled weird. There was like an H next to an L or something. Well, so I'll remember this. It's like Cast- it's like Castile, but like with an L with an H at the end. Oh, or something. Chastile. <laughs> no, no, H is not there. That would make more sense. Uh, it was tasty. It was really good. Um, all I know is like when I was stupid or and younger, and was like. I have to have an opinion about Bordeaux. I was like, I'll just be a right bank guy. Mm. That seems like I could say that and then people will move on. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people assume that about me anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I was, I am the dude with like the most comprehensive Merlot book sure. in New York. Right. Um, but I, I think the other thing about Bordeaux is that it's one of, it's usually one of the first things that like people get introduced to in terms of traditional wine education. Mm-hmm. And so it's very quick that you need to form an opinion on it. Right. Because this is, this is uh, one of those like birthplace of all the international variety right. of regions, you know, outside of Burgundy. Um, I think Bordeaux is like, it's, if you don't start with Burgundy, you start with Bordeaux or vice versa. Right. According to Huge Johnson, um, uh, Bordeaux is more cerebral and kind of a body high. Whereas um, uh, Burgundy is kind of more spiritual and oh, like so a little like bit more meditative versus indica. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I buy that. Um, Do you remember what his Instagram handle is? Uh-uh. It's Little St. James. That's really funny. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane to me that. Okay, go Can on. Can you hand me that little bottle of James? Yeah. Yes. 
Uh, oh, that was great, Kevin. Thank you. I feel like Bordeaux, one of the other things I wanted to say about Bordeaux is it feels, and, and Miguel sort of alluded to this, um, it, it's like if you start talking about Bordeaux, you can very quickly divide a rim of wine people mm-hmm. between those who had like legit wine education mm-hmm. and ho- those who just kind of fell into wine. Sorry, legit or expensive. Yes. And that's, that's, a, that's Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for, for checking that. Um, and I, I put myself in the camp of did not do education of wine. No. Dumb, dumb head. You didn't teach wine anything? Uh, <laughs> I've taught wine a couple tricks. Oh yeah, that they can't learn in books. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think it's like because it's it is so dense. And like if you're a, a natural wine person, say, and you got into wine through just like in the enjoyment and like our self talk mm-hmm. or whatever, like you're gonna come across. Burgundy. Why are you reading me so hard? <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna come across Burgundy like more often mm-hmm. and earlier, more frequently than you're gonna come across Bordeaux. For obvious, perhaps, reasons. Wine people like Burgundy. Yes. Wine people tolerate Bordeaux until you get to the point where you have enough money that you like Bordeaux. Yeah, when you, like, boss up enough. Is Mm -hmm. it called bossing up? (laughs) Boss up. Power up. You grill boss up. Yeah. 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 (laughs) We stance up. Yeah. When you... When you collect enough like shells or whatever, and you can buy the extra armor, mm-hmm. and you go onto the, and you can now like slay more dragons. What's that called? When you quirk up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, in the same in the same way that like there's a division between Burgundy and Bordeaux, there's even like you said, there's further divisions in Burgundy. And the first one is that left bank, right bank conundrum mm. in Bordeaux. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's, I don't know. It's just it's, to me, it's the same thing. It's like there's you get to quote unquote. Uh, questioning mm-hmm. terroir very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is arguably one of the places where you could say that that term was like founded on. Right. Um, and then you could also kind of argue that like, well, is Merlot actually better off in a place that's doing this? Or is Cabernet Sauvignon actually better off doing it in a place like this? Right. And that like big, big broad brush stroke mm-hmm. of things. Um, but we're, I mean, we're drinking Petnat, for example, which mm-hmm. is like not covered by the AO. Oh, no. sure. Yeah. You know, we've got Cremant, mm-hmm. like basically in the, like in Oh, God. Fring, in like fringe places in yeah. this area. I forgot there's Cremant and Bordeaux. But is, there's, is there's it, Cremant everywhere. Is it Cremant de Bordeaux or is it Cremant de Lemieux in that we're just calling that in the Bordeaux uh, I guess prosperity that, sphere? Right? Because it's not Cremant. Yeah, de it would be Cremant de Lemieux. Yeah. Um, but on the, on the same thing, it's like um, we're drinking like a very pretty, delicious, mm-hmm. easygoing, like almost a no brainer kind of pet net. Mm-hmm. Something that, uh, that, again, like a natty person would be like, oh, this, mm-hmm. this fits in my book. Um, I can get this in a really good place. It's rosé. Um, it's Cab and Merlot, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering this cuvee yeah. right. 70 Cab, 30 Merlot. Is it $55? It's expensive. Yeah. But but Bordeaux's expensive. I know. I get that. It's it's, it's that funny thing where you're like, well, what do you well, expect? Let's, let's, fucking, I guess, it's from Bordeaux. Hang on. Let me let me check myself for that either. Yeah. Is that in, there, in that in that same vein that in Burgundy, there's like strata of like, you're, we're going to look at this group of people mm-hmm. because we want to spend X amount of dollars. Um we can do the same thing in Bordeaux and like with way more, um, with a wider target. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you stay under 15 bucks in your local retail space in Bordeaux, you're probably going to get something pretty good. Um, yeah, we that- talked about this a little bit. Well, I guess that was South, Southern France. But What's like, the difference? Dude? You can get like a wine for $18 and it's like an approximation of like what tastes like you've been told an mm-hmm. expensive wine should taste like. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a good expectation for what you know, your first, your first iteration of what blended red can look like. Mm-hmm. And it's coming from this place. And it's this, I think this is the, the, one of the tastes that I identify as like, it's red wine mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or it's Sauvignon Blanc. And mm-hmm. it's only, it's expressly from these places. Um, what's interesting. Um, the two winemakers here, um, Fabrice and Jasper. Um, Good names. Yeah. Great names. 
I think they were unbelievably successful before this. Like it's it's hard reading the tea leaves of someone's um, website, uh-huh. <laughs> but it sounds like this is like the plucky wine story you hear everywhere. Except that they are both successful international designers, right? Which they of were course fashion people or yeah, something. Yeah, absolutely okay. no shade. That that's moving into wine from otherwhere elsewhere is how you do it. But like the amount of money it takes to do a startup in Bordeaux versus a startup, say in Roussillon or yes. a startup in Ardèche, like these wines are like fucking you you can't make jokey wines which is why this wine is like so fucking well branded i think it's also yeah. delicious which we haven't said anything about well, i mean that's a good point you also are, you're not seeing especially in like in our world right you're not really seeing like bordeaux labels with like a watercolor painting mm-hmm. on as a label uh-huh. or like or like that like they've been immune to the five-year-old hand drawing mm-hmm. of of the wine label which right is, which we talked about last episode mm-hmm. too yeah and, and so, this is funny because this goes very um like modern minimalist mm-hmm. just text on white like uh yeah i mean but that's, that's like the album cover of the of that album called album by the band called girls do you know what i'm talking oh, about yeah, i know exactly yeah, what okay. you're talking about yeah, that's exactly what it looks like except it's james which is the band that did the song laid which is my favorite you song must have the been 90s. so terrible to date in 2012 <laughs> i just cannot even imagine how much that would have sucked like the king of gaslighters across uh, from me I was um, in a um, committed relationship until I was divorced. <laughs> nice, dude. I got married in 2012. Cool. Yeah, it worked out mm-hmm. well. The first time? First time. Okay. I guess if you're like the Batman of um, Gaslighters, I'm the Nightwing. <laughs> Dangerous. Accidentally. You don't, don't go on... Don't, I go, don't I, go on Nightwing Twitter. I, I did accidentally like go into that part of Twitter yesterday, and I saw some stuff. I yeah, can't I was see. like, don't. Yeah, don't people go. love Nightwing. Oh, oh, they they love parts of Nightwing. Yeah, okay, parts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nightwing, uh, yeah, more like Nightwing. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, okay. Well, um, Miguel's on it, so I guess we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna objectify comic book characters. What else is new? We would never do that on a podcast without Miguel. <laughs> I mean, like my track record's pretty solid. I'll just say the the amount of stuff about Mitt Romney's kids we had to cut that time. It was like <laughs> half an hour of content. Oh, I wonder how they're doing. <laughs> Find out on your thirty dollars Patreon tier. <laughs> um, but it's interesting. This is like this wine to me. It feels like very strange because this is the kind of wine that everywhere else in France just excels at making, like a VDF Pet Nat. It's one of those wines you can make, and like you really, you don't have to worry about terroir too much. You just get to show, like, hey, here's something fun and easy I'm making. Yeah, I and almost it, don't like. I um, I feel bad for this wine because I feel like it has to. It doesn't have the luxury of that sort of because uh, it's from Bordeaux or I, something. I also feel uh, look like wines from the southwest, like Petnet from the southwest. I, I feel like just has to be a little bit more serious considering the kind of slate of grapes that they're handed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't get like the fu- like you know what I mean. If you get There's a no, Chardonnay, right. if you get a Chardonnay Petnet, like it has to be a little bit more serious than any other stuff that's around. Yeah, and then to and they're to wit, Saint Emilion, right? Or yeah. That's where the facility is, and this is Cote, yes, so Cote de Blaise. Uh, <laughs> Blake. Um, so uh, let's see. They're Entre de Mer, um, mostly. Oh, they're Entre uh, de Mer. Yeah, mostly uh, Cote de Castillon, Cote de Franc for the mm-hmm. rest of their vineyards. Um, uh, I think it's really funny that you started talking about like Brits coming into here, and mm-hmm. like half of this team is British. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, you know. Um, but yeah, I think back to what I was saying is like the for serious grapes or like for international varieties they do come at a disadvantage of like losing that like fun flirty mm-hmm, idea mm-hmm. of what we can look at unless they're made you're not gonna be like oh 30% goverts mm-hmm. 
Yeah. 10% and obviously it's mm-hmm. going to be fun. You know well, what I mean? It's like you also you also don't have freedom in terms of that, right? right. For Bordeaux mm-hmm. to be one of the first places to kind of like d- let the AOC ride. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not allowing for um you know, like skin contact semion or skin contact no. Sauvign- Sauvignon block or something like that where but this is one of the few places where I think that that would be really really delicious. Yeah. Um it's just that you're arguing against a, 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 a government body and a taxing body that is saying that like you really shouldn't be making that that's to the detriment of everyone else here. So yeah. you're kind of like hampering a new generation of people looking at stuff. And I think this is one of the first ways we're, we're seeing what 20, I think 2013, they had a couple of these mm-hmm. vintages. Like this was, this was like an ex- an exciting thing to see like not Cremont sparkling coming out of there. It does. It, it's but it does feel more serious. It feels serious. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. We, we should have done this as like a mid palate cleanser because like the amount of refreshing this you, would you, be. You can come back to it. Later, I guess I'm sure. it, uh, we're allowed to. Yeah, but I think it's. I mean, let's keep it on ice. Mm-hmm. But the the same thing is that like this 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 kind of wine like necessitates some more thinky rather than drinky. I so here's what's going to happen this episode is we're going to talk about like. Why would you do this here? And why shouldn't you do this here? Right? Like, that's what mm-hmm. always happens when we do these episodes. So it's like, why would you make a pet net in Bordeaux and co- it cost $55 mm-hmm. and be hampered by all these things when you could do this somewhere else? Well, they had a house in Bordeaux. Um, oh, uh, I, Fabrice's mother was in Bordeaux and they um, had access to grapevines. Uh-huh. So it just happened. They probably could have done it anywhere, but right. I don't think... They wanted you to could be have winemakers until moved to the Coke Catalan and made. But I don't think hat. his mom was going to move to Coke Catalan. Like, sure, it, it's one of those mom things. You know oh, how it is. Yeah, <laughs> as someone whose mom just moved down the street from me, I definitely get it. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's really, really. It's fun's not the right word, but it's like I like it a lot. No, it's, it's not it's, fun. It's sort of bracing and like. I'm thinking about it, which usually yeah, is not. It's, I it's, imagined it's, we it's were quirky, going to forget it's quirky to talk nerd about girl it. personality, right? Yeah, it's exactly. library girl, kind of mm-hmm. like okay, like I I want to get to know you a little bit more, but you're playing really hard to get, and I don't know. If so additional, yeah, yeah. But if you're going to be unshy about it, you're, it's going to take a lot of time for um, you to really unspool. I don't. It's also like I feel like the bubble is leaving it really fast too. Yeah, right, and it's just sort of tasting like a still. Well, the bubble's still there. I think it's just that it, it, we're tasting a lot of Cabernet Sauvignon. Right, like, and Cab Sauvignon doesn't do flirty that well. And it doesn't want to hold on to those bubbles that well either. Like, comes through it. Yeah, you know? it's a, it's a. I mean, it, it's it's a vehicle for me. It feels like a bunch anything. of grass fell into the pet nap bottle, mm-hmm. or like the bottle fell over in the tub of ice, and a little ice water got in there. But you're like, it's fine. You can still taste through it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I guess. I oh, to, I love that. I, I, guess, yeah. I, guess, I guess I had to make Cabernet Sauvignon anyway. Yeah. And and if they're gonna do it like this, I guess you can't really compare it to anything, which is a good thing for them. Yeah. Um, I, I will, all the other wine you're gonna have to. I know, boo boo. I want to know the story for this wine because I, I wonder if they were like, We want to make a pet nat, this is what we've got, or if they were like, These grapes aren't good for anything but pet nat. Like, what's the story here? Yeah. Well, there are two other cuvées they make with 100% Merlot, yeah, right, right. So, make they make Ormeal, which is like their mm-hmm. house style, their grand van style, yeah. and then they're the other one, which is Merlot Inox, which is like mm-hmm. their stainless steel only. That sounds pretty like something i wouldn't like to the point where it must be good it's very it's delicious it's one of the it's one of the only wines that i started pouring from the very beginning in the restaurant oh really because it's merlot 100 it's doing it it's doing its thing it's very expressively bordeaux but it's like it's above that classification i talk about it as like having like a super tuscan quality where 
you're operating outside of the dominion of the AO. Right. But at the same time, you're kind of like, well, I can do whatever I want here, mm-hmm. but I'm still playing within some rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those those wines are all like uh, really delicious and uh, really joyful. Yeah. Um, but there's no cab. <laughs> right. I think that that's, that's the thing that's like making this a little bit more like, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, well, like, yeah. We've probably drank Cab Sauvignon less on this show than any other wine podcast ever made. Yeah. Well, and less than any other. Like, I'm sure we've had more. Yeah. Like. We've probably had more Columbard than Cab Sauv. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're cool. It's, it is interesting, though. It's like. Um, it's stopped us in our tracks a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. I. How do you feel about now that we're grown-ups in wine? Uh-huh. We've been doing a lot of legacy talk, Miguel. I'm sure you understand as um someone who's um incredibly famous and important. Um how do I feel about Cab Sauvignon these days? How do we, how do you feel about Cabernet Sauvignon these days? I mean, like we have a very clear vision of it in places like Napa and Sonoma. Um but mm. I don't think Bordeaux's reckoned with it yet. My friend brought over his his mother in law bought him a stag's leap. Stag's stag's leap with the apostrophe before or after the S. I don't remember. Oh now. my god, really? It was seventy five dollars. Take uh, this is I mean for all of you nerds like that is a mm-hmm. that's a wonderful question to ask because one of them won the judgment and the other one is like writing on it. That's yeah. amazing. I think it was whatever one it, it was seventy five dollars. So it was like expensive for everybody sure. except for us and. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not enough money for the one that is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that being said, it was sold from Napa and was, I think, mostly cabs of. And uh, I didn't like it. But it was also like, it's clearly not made for me. Yeah, I mean, like, there's, I think there's clear stylistic choices that, like, the West Coast has made with Cabernet. Mm-hmm. Um, that we're, I mean, we're mm-hmm. clearly not big fans of. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, you've got places like, uh, you, I mean, you've got Uli Stein making Cabernet Sauvignon in the Mosul. And, like, that's compelling and delicious and wonderful that's such an interesting idea yeah yeah and then but but then to also kind of think about cabernet sauvignon as like a as an accessory grape rather than like the star right you see that all the time in tuscany right um you see it um in, i like the way it, it expresses in a super tuscan like, yeah. i like that idea and i like it as a team member i guess yeah but i'm like really racking my brain for an example of a you know whatever 90 percent or more cab sauv that i was like this actually hits like like I, I aesthetically love Super Tuscans, but politically do not respect them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you got people, I mean, for, for what it's worth, I mean, like for, for that cab, that, for lack of a better example, that, that Uli cab, for example, mm-hmm. I think makes a really good argument for what Cabernet Sauvignon actually needs, right? And but it can, it can do that because it's outside of a shadow of any expectation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think like that's, that that's, that's maybe that's the thing that's like, that's keeping its growth as like this idea of like an expectation. Wow. This is an immigrant story all of a sudden, but you know, like if, if Bordeaux just didn't put, hang so many hats on Cabernet Sauvignon needing to do the Parker thing, Mm -hmm. then that's, that's the thing that is keeping it from like looking into it 30 years from now. Right. The other part is that most of this region is owned by the Chinese. So we're not really talking about what's, what's ostensibly French when you're, you're, when your global market is really the thing that's dictating what your palate should be within the terms of the AO. It, most mm-hmm. of these, um, most of the estates are um, owned by a CEO and it's very weird because it's the same wine media that you see everywhere. And so it like you, the words like CEO pop up in like an article and it feels good. really weird to see it, to yeah. be honest. Like yeah, yeah. 
Um, because of wine media, we, we have this like dirt under the fingernails idea, like idea of like, oh, plucky vigneron. And that's the story we tell. And in Bordeaux, I mean, with the first two producers, you can probably squint and find it. But realistically, you, you're not going to find too much of that in Bordeaux proper. Right. To the point where like. No, I think that's why we romanticize Burgundy so much. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's the thing that I think keeps a lot of. Um, people who are interested in wine who came in through a less like classic framework Mm -hmm. from giving much of a fuck of trying to figure it out. It's just like, you're not being rewarded with all Mm -hmm. of the little treats that every other wine region gives you. You know what I mean? It's not like, well this, and these, we might have a couple uh, examples of the opposite today, but it's like, you're not being like, well, you know, it might not be your style, but this guy's been doing it for like, and it's just him and his wife. And it's, you know, those stories don't exist as much. So you're like, well, why am I giving it any, of my time when it doesn't actually need me. Well, Bordeaux is like this interesting, like uh, it's almost Gnostic in a way that it's entirely self-referential at this mm-hmm, point. Like mm-hmm. Bordeaux tastes like Bordeaux, which tastes like Bordeaux, which tastes like Bordeaux, which tastes like Bordeaux in 1982, which tastes like um, American wine in 1978, which tastes like Bordeaux from et cetera. It's, and like the entire thing, it's like this, it's wound up in itself yeah. so much to a point where like, because like, the number one thing a Bordeaux has to taste like is a Bordeaux, which sounds like a stupid statement, but like the number one thing other wines have to taste like it doesn't always have to be like have the weight of history on it. Right. It's very like there are it, places where there is an example that is true, but like Bordeaux more than anywhere else for sure. And I, and I think that there, there there's some places on Bordeaux where that's absolutely okay, where that kind of cyclical like. Ouroboros of things mm. is is a good thing, like in Sauterne, for example. Mm. Like Sauterne's one of the only places where you can make that kind of wine. Like like great. Like I don't tradition. want a modern Sauterne. Like that. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. But that's exactly right, it. Right, right. Like, me off so hard. Like like no one would want to see like a Sauterne Petnat. Jesus fucking Christ. But like the the idea you just is, summoned that into existence. <laughs> you know you just made that happen. Yeah. Uh, but the idea is like of, I think of everything else in that place. Like the expectation turns into the reality, turns into the expectation. Da 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 da. And then outside pressures. I think the only thing that outside mm-hmm. pressures really have introduced back into Bordeaux or or around this place is the fact that like the wines go elsewhere first. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And that's they lose a more intimate connection to like what's keeping them. Bordeaux, mm-hmm. because That's, now Bordeaux is like Bordeaux registered trademark, right? Exactly, as yeah. opposed to Bordeaux place, right? Mm-hmm. And that's very like I think intrinsically uh, uh, or explicitly mentioned, I believe, on the website of this producer. Mm-hmm. There's like a, there's a goal here to make wine for here, yes. Which until you just said that had sort of I had sort of glossed over that, but it just I just remembered reading it while you said that and understood actually the importance of that, which is like. Uh, this we don't get to drink our wine here yeah. often. Yeah, um, nope. and that's so crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's it's also a distinct American problem, right? Like, right. Yeah. Like we're we're so we're so removed. Like even people in New York City like don't drink that much New York wine, even though mm-hmm. they should be. Right. Um, I think California has one of the best kind of like local drinking economies. Yeah. Even though their product is also global, but Bordeaux suffers from that. Mm-hmm. Like, how many Bordelais actually are drinking things like Mouton or Latour or mm-hmm. Lafitte? They're not. Right. Um, they're probably they, drinking supermarket wine just like everyone else. Yeah, but if they are drinking those things, like they're not in Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're in a grand hall in mm-hmm. Paris. They're they're somewhere in Marseille. Um, they might be in Monaco, mm-hmm. but they're not in this place. We should talk about wine number two. This um, is so good. It's so fucking it's so great. Um, this is um, the, the souffle. The Chai du Port de la Lune. Um, the souffle 2020. The door of the moon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that what that means? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's like the... Um, the house of the door of the moon? Mm-hmm. The 
bridge? Outhouse. Or yeah, like the, mm. the nah. A house with a door with a moon on it is an outhouse. So all like all over Bordeaux, there's like um uh like fortress towers because mm-hmm. it used to be invaded a lot. It was like mm-hmm. one of the major outports. Sure. The Gironde goes straight into like mm-hmm. the bay. Um so they have a lot of these kind of like decorated fortress towers uh-huh. or like entrances into the city, and I think that's named after one of cool. them. Cool. Um they are in an old military bunker, oddly enough. And they are a negociant, mm-hmm. um, which is a venerable tradition in Bordeaux, um, which is specifically like how so much wine in Bordeaux gets made and sold. Although less and less, actually, um, I, I read a really great thing that um, – not a great thing. There are less independent winemakers in Bordeaux now than there have been for a very long time. Um, I think it's like uh, – I wrote down the number. It's like a 60% drop or something since 2000. Yeah. Like an absurd amount. Everyone's just consolidating, which is why yeah. we have CEOs. Um and so these guys are buying grapes from all over, but they are making wine in um, in Bordeaux. In the city of Bordeaux. In the city of Bordeaux. And yeah. specifically, they are the, the first people to do um, to uh, vinify, press, and raise wines in the city of Bordeaux. In uh, Everything says for quite a long time, which is French for either it's 10 years or 300 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I love the translation – from French to English of raising wine. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't say that in English, but every translated, you know, say, Oh, we raised the wine here. It just makes it seem very familial in, like, a, in a cute way. Actually, that was the translation. Um, I, I was looking at their website and their website um, was turning into English while I was reading it. Yeah. Like, uh, my internet was being bad. Yeah. And I saw the word and I translated my brain as Raising because I like it better than the one that Google specified because you are raising and I, yeah. I forget what the real word was. But elevage probably, but right? elevage into English. I don't know what the translation. It is. It might not even yeah. change it. Yeah, elevage is kind of like I think an, an ele- education for yeah. your wine. Right? Yeah, but I think that that might be like raising it. Right, raising it makes more. Yeah, it actually makes yeah. sense emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but like I was like. I said, I wrote in my notebook, raise the wines. I said, that feels like the right way to say yeah. this. And I'm so happy you comment on it, Kevin. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, this is Chardonnay, Colombard, and um, Luan de Loi. Luan de Loi. Which is... Um, Lundelel is what they call it. They're Lundelel. Okay, cool. And I do not know a goddamn thing about that grape. Luan, well, Luan de Loi means like far from the eye. Yes. Right. So just grapes from far away. No, it's it's an actual grape variety native to Southwest France. Um, uh, everyone's saying that like uh, it might have been uh, an appropriate substitution for Sauvignon Blanc. Huh. Um, but prior to Phylloxera, this this grape constituted over thirty percent of the wine uh, made in the area. Jesus. And then complete complete decline. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's I guess it's also a land preservation project in terms of the negotiant. Of, of nature of this. Yeah, and that's from Gaillac. Um, the I know the Sapage changed for this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've switched to Uni Blanc mm. or Trebbiano for the Landeloy parcel. But, huh. um, I think much more Chardonnay in the 2021. This is mm-hmm. the 2020, which is 40, 40, 20. I'm, it's only 40% Chardonnay? 40 Chard, 40 Columbard. Heavy sh- Chard vibes. Well, the Chard from Lemieux is weird because it's like fucking rainy. It's it's like which is why they they bub that shit up generally. Huh. I mean, yeah. that, you guys get that like um do you remember like when Thomas Pico had to like declass all of his Chablis? Yes. and it's right. doing that where it's like this Th- is that this oily is, shit. It's, it's good rich fruit. It's that, giving me that one vintage of Linda Vista from yeah. Matthias and mm-hmm. yeah. the same exact thing. Where it's yeah. like it like fattened up. Fattened it up in like a wet way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's still like a I'm trying to get fattened up in a wet way, to be honest, man. <laughs> like like duck fat. You know what I mean? Like it's sort of like Mm. <laughs> it's a roundy, wet fattiness. It's greasy. It's slippery. Uh, but then it's got a, a racy kind of 
Like, um, I think that's the col- yeah, I think that's the Columbard. Oh, doing that's it. good. That's delicious, huh? I think everyone kind of like got a little bit of goosebumps when they f- did first sips here. Everyone mm-hmm. was like, "Ooh, what is ooh?" There is a there's not really- to speak the detriment of the first wine, but there's like a, a real shift from the first mm-hmm. to the second where this one had a little bit more life to it, mm-hmm. and it felt like it was it needed to be less. It needed to prove less to anybody, mm-hmm. even though the first one obviously is like you're making a pet in Bordeaux. Who are you proving to what? But mm-hmm. like. The first one felt like there was uh, maybe uh, a desire by the winemakers to say, like, but we're in Bordeaux for a reason. And this mm-hmm. one's sort of like, whatever, we're in Bordeaux. We got mm-hmm. our grapes from wherever. We just want to make good wine. Yeah. And it's, like, really fun. Bordeaux would probably be actually a great um, – I was talking to um, uh, uh, Sam Rogers, uh, the uh, friend of the pod, for a bonus episode, patreon.com, a regular slash discourages to hear it. And they were talking about um, – how important a community is in wine. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that Bordeaux, for all the weaknesses, everybody's involved in the wine industry, which means like equipment, help, technical know-how. Those are things that you can probably get. That being said, a lot of technical know-how is going to be use agrochemicals, bitch. <laughs> um, but still, like, I think if you are doing a negotiation project, I can think of worse places to do it because you could do sure. it essentially from anywhere. Well, I think that's why it's th- these wines like this are so successful in California for the same yeah. reason, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have that. Like if you are willing to do, you know, whatever, like work a, har- a couple harvests with mm-hmm. someone you respect first, and then you find a space in Berkeley where you can make wine, and mm-hmm. then you use your friend's connections to get some great. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you have that kind of infrastructure there too. This is, I mean, it's it's really cool to see it happening here in Bordeaux. It feels the youngest so yeah. far. Like it feels very youthful mm-hmm. in terms of, and not just in that like academic way. It feels like young people are making it. Right. The, the exactly. wine has something to say. The wine has a very like um, a young point of view. Um, I think a part of that is because the flavors are like so big. Mm-hmm. Um, and like granted, I'm not, I'm not used to like, like these kind of when average wine alcohol is like 13, 13 and a half percent, like that's high now right. for a lot of the places that we're looking at. And I think that's really interesting and like compelling for a place to kind of, this is the stamp of like what this wine should look like. Bam. Uh, really, really yummy. I really love delicious. it. Delicious. Yeah. I'm like really, really, really happy about this yeah. wine. And it's like, really inspiring. Cause we're not drinking a lot of board uh, of Bordeaux Blancs. I think we have one for next episode. Right. And the reason being, um, as we said last episode, they make nine times as much red as they do white. And John it, hates Sauvignon Blanc and Semillon. I actually I really like Sauvignon Blanc right now. We're, we're in my Christian girl autumn, which is also my Sauvignon Blanc autumn. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're not in Sancerre, I guess. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually had a Sancerre the other day that I was like, I hope no one's watching me drink it. Because wow. I was like, ooh, ah, uh-huh. the, the Yeah, did you put it in your hydro flask? Yeah. <laughs> meow, meow, meow. <laughs> I had like a big hat on and I was just like walking with myself like, this is kind of warming. I love it. Mm, I'm going to make some tea. Yeah. <laughs> Get a pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> um, it's so weird that this place, ripening was not even a given until recently. Like uh-huh. it, it is, because Bordeaux is... In, in in the the imagination of the world, a big wine place, and it's become a big wine place. But like, you know, Claret is a dark fucking rosé. Mm-hmm. The wines that made this place famous Originally. were oftentimes chapelized. Yeah. Like, this is like there were all they, again they, they were, were big they, in other ways, and they, and they were meant for not here. Like mm-hmm. it was it was meant for like kings and queens of England. Mm-hmm. Like they were not like the reason why we know these not my things, king. Well, no, the reasons why we know why these wines exist or like these Appalachian kind of structures exist is because of the emphasis on like 
um, the royal kind of like charters and, right. and the those standards, those trademarks that they're putting out to be like, hey, I need this wine to last when I go to India and yeah. ransack another village. Mm-hmm. Like, can we do it's that for me? It's interesting to think of how with the importance of, you know, assuming these wines were meant or at some point became known for, for being big, but mm-hmm. weren't big due to ripening or big more due to house decisions. Mm-hmm. It makes sense why house styles were the defining characteristic. When you yeah. I think it's like, it's not about where the mm-hmm. fuck you grow them necessarily. Like obviously it is. Yeah. But I like, mean, the, but there's, there's, there's a parallel that you can draw the same way with the champagne and sherry mm-hmm. alongside Bordeaux. And I think those right. are the three places that really benefited from like, Globalism, first of all, but mm-hmm. secondly, like this idea that like imperialism is gonna thing that gonna be the thing that drives you to popularity because this is what we want, this is what we want to drink. You're gonna be consistent, however, the the whatever the year is, and now it's just okay. Now we're kind of figuring out that, that like that might not be a great thing. <laughs> I, I do want to say that someone um, wrote a very interesting article about how Bordeaux got so hefty. Um, it's about Robert Parker, but it's really about Bordeaux. Um, it was in Punch magazine recently. It was me, bitches. I mean, this is so fucking. It, this is like. This is like uh, Bordeaux saw what happened elsewhere, and yeah. Bordeaux is wine consultants more than there's winemakers. Um, spe- specifically, Saint Emilion is like the most wine consultants per capita. I'm sure. Um, and um, it was just like. <laughs> they saw the success of other wines and like we can do that, mm-hmm. um, and they could do that before the grapes could do that in a weird right, way. Like yeah. now you could make really fucking big wine in Bordeaux, even though it is still pretty wet. But like in 1982, the climate was different. They had to manipulate shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're looking at like an average temperature of like what? 60 degrees, 69 degrees. I mean, now. Oh, I just want to say 69. I have no. I, I'm sorry. That was just literally. I, I, I was you not aware of doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but like literally 60. It started like 69. 60, 60 degrees, probably yeah. now closer to that. But that's that's like you're you're just getting enough sunshine for your grapes to mm-hmm. like phenolic yeah. grape in, and then yeah. and then now and then now we're seeing things like thirteen and a half, fourteen, fourteen. Mm-hmm. It's that alcohol creep mm-hmm. because of climate change and people call me that too, the alcohol creep. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's you singing Radiohead at <laughs> <and> karaoke. <Yeah. laughs> um, the 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 idea of like um, this place as a big big red wine, yeah. Like when ostensibly it's like medium, medium, medium all the way. Yeah. Like I think that that's that's a new development in yeah, terms for of sure. Bordeaux's mm-hmm. psyche. But that's the last forty years, you know. And and again, it's it's the decision making that Americans are doing as a pressure to make wine this way here. So yeah, I mean, it, the globalism is the the biggest problem that Bordeaux is having because it's never it's never had a chance to kind of fully regurgitate itself on itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's kind of like how you know when you hear British people use Americanisms, it just doesn't sound exactly right. Right. Um, and there's like a certain amount, like France, uh, we should do the, the, yeah, yeah that yeah. I think is more, that's a, is that the field blend or is that different? Uh, well, it's a left bank. So we should go first. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm. So this is, yeah, mostly cab. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A little bit of Malbec, a little bit of Merlot. Dead air. <laughs> um, so we're having a now, what, what's the vintage in this? Uh, 2018, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jogaret. These these never have convenient labeling. Interesting choice. 18, 18. Okay, cool. Yeah, at least it is on the front label. <laughs> mm. Oh, I got fish fillet. Oh. So this was um, these two wines. The, the next two are sweet. I think they're often drunk <laughs> together. Um, uh, 
Just jo- like us. Jogare? Jogare. Jogare and Le Puy. Um, we're going to be drinking them kind of in concert because like, I think that's how they're always pitched. And these are two people um, who often t- who like are uh, defining um, uh, Appalachians that are somehow um, not involved in the Appalachian anymore, right. which is exciting. Um, Jougere is uh, notably a um, a Saint Julien, uh, like one of like the founders and like one of the sixteen hundred yeah, maybe. It mm-hmm. feels like this is like a, a hallmark of the style of the region, and they are. Um, the story is um, they didn't like filling out paperwork to get copper sulfate uh, uh, to spray their vineyards, so they just didn't. And um, they got kicked out of the DO. How hard do you think the paperwork is? Do you think you could do it? I think that story sounds like there's probably a little bit more. Just like, (laughs) I don't trust anything. Paperwork is is filing fees, Kevin. So, you know. That's fair. And then if you're going to make X amount of wine, it has to be X amount of paperwork. And so you're going to be an asshole about it. Um, Yeah, you're you're right that these these two almost always get pitched um, in concert, left versus right. This is... So Jogare... Uh, the family Philastra mm. there. Um, th- this is mostly Cabernet Sauvignon, I think about mm-hmm. 80%. Yeah. Um, with scant amounts of Malbec and Merlot. They're right above Poyac. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. they're right above it. So, like, you, in, in terms of looking at places that uh, operate under a rubric, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, these guys almost always uh, get classed in that same level of buffoonery. Mm-hmm. This is weird. This is going to be the first time on the show that we are going to drink wine that someone's dad could drink. Like, we're going to do a left bank and then a right bank of Bordeaux. And we've never had to do these challenges of like, hey, here's a thing that everyone who's taken three wine classes can do. It's a little bit scary. I hope we don't fuck it up. I mean, this this is uh, this to me is like textbook Bordeaux. Mm -hmm. Textbook left bank. Like, you get that very solid... Mm -hmm. Cabernet nose. Um, that it's, the, it's the Cabernet nose that's always the part that is like the hardest for me to embrace. And as someone who is the but only may, person look, at this may, table who likes Cab Franc, it's so funny how like I have such a hard time with Cabernet Sauvignon. It's just like it's a different beast. Though. It's so different. It's a different beast. And I think Cabernet Sauvignon like really leans on that like Sauvignon Blanc parentage mm-hmm. because you have that like oh, yeah. right the aromatic yeah, kind of that yeah. like tomato leafy. Um, really savory note. Um, and then it's black fruit that has this like interesting, um, oily, mentholated eucalyptus kind of lift. It's like a little bit more if that's possible. It's very good, but it's um, very good. And it's, it's like so, it needs time to wind out. I'm you know? sure. It's um, so absolutely checklist of the things that aren't my favorite about a red wine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like not like the things I hate. It's not that checklist. It's different. It's but, just like, it's like, I agree with you on that. On the same time, it's also kind of like what any other person would expect, quote unquote, red wine to taste like. Yeah. Exactly. Which is mm-hmm. weird that that's the same Venn diagram, one circle. The thing it then does, which oftentimes when these checks are being checked, doesn't happen, is then it's just like whew, bright as fuck, like mm. really acid driven on the palate. Cranberries, yeah. And you're just like, oh, okay, like this will help me go in and, and check it out again. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think part of the problem for me is always like, I can only jump in so many times. Like, mm-hmm. it's like doing a polar bear plunge. Like, oh, yeah, the water was really, really cold. I did it. I know. Now I know, like, how cold it was. And I don't know mm-hmm. that I need to do it a bunch more times because I didn't get rewarded by it. But this wine makes me want to be like, okay, let me go in and, like, swim around for a minute and check out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, 
not any small feat for me. I think I mean the wine like this. new oak is always like the culprit for me for that, mm-hmm. and like you can taste right. that here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's only a small percentage, but you can. It's, it's, it's very. It's you can tell it's a small bout, but it's it's but like you know it sticks it. out. You yeah. know it exactly, and I think that that's something that like we've been so used to. Considering all of our vessels have been as neutral as possible, <laughs> well, M- Michael Cruz last week um, said that uh, the Elian de Ross wine tasted like something he didn't think we would like. Mm-hmm. And look at us now, <laughs> like this does not sound like something that I. I mean, Disgorgeous has moved past character at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, we are like you know also an Ouroboros eating our own tail, but like this is absolutely delicious to me in a way that of like. A wine that is not one that I would reach for in many situations, even though it's quite fucking good. Like, I also don't eat meat, so I don't know what to fucking have with this. Yeah, that's, that's the other thing. Is that like Kevin and I are looking at each other here, and it's like fucking tomahawk for two, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's 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 the vibe. But like, I feel like wines like this have become also synonymous with that. Like, you need to be a little bit gluttonous in that. Well, it's funny like, too because it's like wines to exercise. Mm-hmm. If yeah. with with the exception of maybe like Saint. St. Anselm or whatever mm-hmm. in, in, in Brooklyn and a couple other examples. There's like, there's some more places now that are like leaning into like a big cut of fucking meat, mm-hmm. yeah. which I'm happy about because you wouldn't find a wine like this at your, your big like name brand steakhouse mm-hmm. where it would absolutely kill. kill. Food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's like almost the shame of it is like, it has been so uncool mm-hmm. for so long to do like, Oh, we do like a big old fucking hunk of meat. Like, and that's starting to come back right now, which is like exciting. Yeah, the recession's happening. We're going yeah. <laughs> to move to like hunk of meat and potatoes, Bordeaux. I I can't wait. Yeah, recession proof. <laughs> I I mean, I'll be honest. I'm I think this wine's mid. Mm-hmm. Like really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's not my style. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I can see the merits of like looking at this and being able to kind of show somebody. It's like, look, if you want to learn about this place. Maybe this over some of the other things that are around it. Right. Um, uh, it, it absolutely helps that um, there's like little manipulation in, in, mm-hmm. in this wine. Um, this feels a lot closer to what we would imagine, like quote unquote, like romantic Bordeaux would look like. This is, yeah, this is um, one of the episodes this season was going to be uh, BDX equals Burgundy. And this was like the idea of like, oh, there's a farmer proprietor. Like this. It feels like it is on an idiom that we mm-hmm. can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say this wine's mid, um, but I also like I, I I think it's a fine judgment on it. I think it's mid. Um, <laughs> it's, I don't know if I would call it mid either, but it's certainly not my style. I think it's mid. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> totally fair. Let's get one more uh, isolated check. I think it's mid. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I want to thank uh, Rosenthal for the free wine this week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I bought these. Don't fucking worry. Um. Look, I, wanna, I, I, I think it, I think it's also just that my palate's like so not adjusted to drinking Cabernet Sauvignon in in a way that most other folks around me have, and I think if we if Cabernet Sauvignon does exist on a wine list that I'm looking at, it's very much the opposite style. Yeah, it's of so, what people are going gunning for for what this is aiming for. When you see the traditional sommelier class, like the things that they choose, I mean, they drink. would get a total boner over this. One. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it it's it's weird. Like um, this is what I wrote about for the Discordia scene coming out right now. Um, like all these weird things, like the, the high points wines, it's like, I don't know how people can drink them. Like it, this is delicious, but there are so many things that are refreshing. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people don't drink 
wine the way that we do? Well, this look, this this, this people <laughs> this have wine, a glass for dinner. <laughs> well, this one has freshness. Don't get me wrong; like yeah, it is, yeah. it's still really it's, very, yeah. it's, for me. That's the one redeeming characteristic that maybe makes it like a mid plus. Yeah, versus just a mid. It's like I think it's I think it's also just on, and I yeah. like it. Like I just it's not. I'm so mine. sorry, Gunter. <laughs> no, but I think I think I think I think the wine it's good. Um. It just needs, I think, as the, as the symptom always is with Cabernet Sauvignon, it just needs way more time. Way more time. Yeah. I mean, we're killing 18 or something. Yeah, or we're eating a child yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. That's going to happen. We don't, look, we don't, we don't have enough Patreon subscribers. Mm-hmm. So if you guys want to help, maybe next time we do Bordeaux, we can really splurge. No, that's not, we actually are splurging a lot for the last <laughs> two episodes. We, we're doing a good job here, I think. This was hard to find, and it was either get 18 or not get a bottle, yeah, and I, I wanted think, to get a bottle. I think getting a bottle was the right call. Um, um, so we're moving on into like the partner wine of that, which mm-hmm. is Chateau Le Puy. This is their uh, right bank baby. This is their Emilien Cuvée, which is like I think one of their flagship wines, one hundred percent Merlot. Yeah, it's like named. It's like their. It's like they're named after the great 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 great. great, great they're named after. Um, they named after like Renaissance painters, and they were all learned martial arts. <laughs> yes, <in> the <laughs> <laughs> martial arts. Uh, but same. I mean, same same ish story, right? Like if, mm-hmm. if this wine's so much if, tastier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. If like if Philosopher was made in like the 1650s, this is a little bit before. This is 1610. 1610, I think. Yeah. Oh, Merlot. Oh, my God. Cooks, Immediately, baby. the Merlot. Do you see? Do you see why Merlot is so, so fucking good, guys? Yeah, no. We, we oh know. my God. Even it's, just. Even just on the nose, it's like friendlier. Um, it's a, it's a little bit more just like arms wide open. <laughs> Give it a hug. Well, we've you know I want to go back to this. We've managed to avoid a lot of the suit and tie sommelier class. I wonder what. I wonder what the guild version of Disgorgeous would be. Like. I wonder what they fucking drink. Disgilgeous. Disgilgeous. <laughs> maybe maybe this. Mm-hmm. Honestly, they probably, this, yeah. this does feel like it could straddle. Yeah. Absolutely, me, this like this. I mean. <laughs> this wine, I think, like a, a few people who were like, if you know your wine, if you've got a pen, you you can see this on the wine menu. And be like, this was okay, what was I funny at the uh, very exclusive wedding that we were all at mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. people who are related to the Rosenthal book, mm-hmm. where there was two different groups of mm-hmm. wine people at it, mm-hmm. and there was a there was like oh, we were wines, we were like well no like people would be like you guys want some of this and be like. No, I'm good on that. You guys want some of this? No, I'm okay with that. And then there'd be like a bottle of old Riesling and we're all grabbing for yeah, it. You uh-huh. know what I mean? There were the things that like they didn't want to fuck with. Mm-hmm. There was the stuff we didn't want to fuck with. And then there was a couple things that were just like, yeah, we all want to fuck with that. And this feels like that would have been in the middle of the table. Yeah. Everyone would have reached. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is delish beans. Whoa. Yeah, it's very good. It's very, very good. And it still has mm-hmm. like... Um, Structure and dark fruit and but still, all it's, the it's, other it's, it's still, But see, it still reads right bank yeah. Merlot. You know what I mean? It's right bank Bordeaux. It's still mm-hmm. Merlot. That like classic treatment. Mm-hmm. It still has a little bit of that like oak treatment too. Mm-hmm. But like I'm not, I'm less mad at it here. Yeah, it's being couched in so much more fruit. Fruit. This is exactly fruit what does a lot. you'd expect us to be. Like but if yes. we are going to like a Bordeaux, it's like, oh, they're going to go for like like a high elevation right bank uh, Bordeaux. And that's. You're right. Everyone who got that on the yeah. bingo card, that is what we like. I love Merlot. <laughs> yeah. 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 Fight me for the rest yeah. of this bottle at uh-huh. the end. It's very mm. good. It's great. Mm. So I was trying to make, neither of you guys laughed at my joke earlier. Um, I was trying to make. Do it again. A, um, this is on the text chain. Mm. I was trying to make a, like a, a reference to Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. You know, uh-huh. you do not simply walk into Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really funny. So you want, no, do, do you a, guys could laugh now if you want. Do a to. clean take. Let's get. Uh, one does not simply walk into Bordeaux. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, I love to be around my friends. They're just out of frame. Um, 
I sent some really good text messages. Too. But I did. I did. I just <laughs> finished. I just finished the Lord of the Rings TV show thing season, whatever. Yeah. Brings a power. Um, right. No spoilers or whatever. But I, I, I can't help but think of the creation of Bordeaux as the creation of Mordor, mm, mm. of it being like this place where there is just like a lot of like, you know, back in the day, just a lot of like really um, like down to earth, like farmer type humans in like a very sparsely populated area. And then like industry and capitalism just like explodes mm-hmm. <laughs> and drives them all out. Mm-hmm. And then you just have this new place. It's now called Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of my spiel. Um, it, it, this is, um, if, if anything, I think uh, Chateau Le Puy benefits from the fact that it's away from the shenanigans of the mm-hmm. right bank in terms of all of that. Away from those shenanigans. <laughs> well, look, it, I mean, there was there was a really big deal when, what, a house was willing to just be like, no, nah, I'm not going to go into the classifications mm-hmm. again this year. Like, you guys can go fuck yourselves. Um and for like that should that should be like a warning sign for a lot of the people who are in that classification system. Well, who's gonna win? And, and like, is Bordeaux gonna keep Bordeauxing? But I don't know if I don't know if it necessarily needs to be this kind of like winner take all situation. You know, like it's it's fine if Le Puy, like actually it's better that Lipuy is out of like that kind of contention or or of or, course or, like, or like classification in terms of Saint Emilion. But the like you know look at its neighbors for example you've got you've got. It's not too far from here are like all of these other places that could, if they're not already in uh, a better place in that classification, they're like, they can pay their way up. Right. Um, and I think that that's one of those things that, that you got to remember is like, I think it's okay for these wines or, or I think to, to your point, John, about like moving, moving away from this, like who wins mm-hmm. in this, in this area. It's like they, no one, I don't think anybody's winning. First of all, climate change is going to destroy this place. Yes. Like, right. It's, 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 it's a, a series of levees basically that's keeping it. Together, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like yeah, it's yeah. 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 And we're, be good. And we're waiting, and we're waiting for a horrible winter going into a hot spring Yeah, and everything's going to flood and it's not going to be great. Uh-huh. Um, and then you're going to have a new kind of disease pressure and then you're going to have all the other things that come along with that. Mm-hmm. So, the, the the thing that we're going to worry about here, I think, is that when the satellites start to compete as mm. good as all of these other named appellations, and, and they're starting to, right? You're looking at Lusac, Castillon, mm. Fronsac, and these mm-hmm. uh, these places are making really great wine. Do you mean participating within Not the strata of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, you're, you're just widening the scope, There's right? a difference between making great wine here and participating... In the business of Bordeaux, yeah, you know I mean, I mean, it, it, I mean they're almost antithetical to each other. Yeah, I, it's it's the, it's the Mendocino Sonoma problem. Mm-hmm. All over. Uh-huh. I think, like, right. I think yes. that's that's the thing that we can kind of say is that like the good old Mendocino Sonoma problem. Yeah, like they're my mouth is full of cannons. I can't, I can't, I can't. Grapes find a way. Yeah, lion face, lemon face. Okay, go on. Yeah, I mean the 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 fact that like all of these other. What what used to be accessory places for Bordeaux mm-hmm. are now making great, if not better, wine than some of these storied, hallowed places that mm-hmm. people like to write about in books. Um, I think it's a, it's a really interesting thing. We haven't even spoken about this like generational shift mm-hmm. that can, that continues to happen, right? Like Bordeaux is one of those few places where the estate remains the same size. It's crazy. <laughs> and you can you can yeah, actually yeah, you can yeah, actually yeah, continue yeah. to provide this as an asset for a generation of your family, yeah. um, where that's that's not the case in any other place, right? Your your backyard gets smaller and smaller and smaller if you're going to cultivate grapes, or you're just going to sell it off to the highest bitter mm-hmm. burgundy but mm-hmm. you, you've got you've got this 
Which is the, which is the lesser evil of those two? I don't know if there is. I don't know if I I mean, they're both still kind of evil, right? Right. But like accumulated generational wealth certainly feels icky. But I, I this is of course the Aztec Inca division, whereas the Aztec um, would keep all their wealth. Um, but still found a need to, um, uh, you know, do rapacious uh, intra-Mexico um, colonialism. Whereas the Inca, um, every year the Inca, of course, after death, half the estate was, would go to keeping the cult of the mummy alive. Mm-hmm. And the other half would go to the, his descendants, which meant, meant that um, every Inca emperor, empire, emperor had less money than his dad. And if you can imagine being raised in one of those situations, you really did not like your father. <laughs> so it also yeah. fueled incredibly rapid expansion. It's like it doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. If you there's inherited wealth, no matter how you slice it, it's going to lead to evil outcomes. Right. The evilest, of course, outcome was that their activities attracted the attention of the Spanish. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, but, but back to the French evils. It's like, it's like, um, I, I think one of the things that, that's that's bolstering this thing in terms of a generational shift is that now there is, you know, for for a solution to be called Bordeaux solution. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. I think it's fine that like they're moving away from that as part of their identity. Um, well, this yeah. is well, this is one of the few places where like bi-dynamic certification is probably easier than anywhere else. Uh-huh. Um, just, espe- just to achieve in terms of practicing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and especially because of those kind of generational vineyards, that, mm-hmm. that, and we're like, yeah, this is just how my grandfather's grandfather did it. And it's like mm-hmm. great. There's certainly here. I mean, this is like a. N- if I'm not mistaken, this is like he's never. There's never this, been yeah, any chemicals. This in this is like this is like the Ur Bordeaux vineyard. Right, yeah. right, right. But also, like these guys aren't crunchy. Like this is a wine. Uh, so, um, uh, yeah, this isn't very granola wine. Mm-hmm. A, mm-hmm. A, a friend um, said, texted me the other day. Said, "Oh, my my roommate is a psalm. Do you know her?" I'm like, "No, almost certainly not." And then she told me the restaurant in some place in like near Chelsea Market. I'm like, "This is not a real place. Sorry." <laughs> and I looked at the wine list, and it was all these fucking Bordeaux's, and I was just like, "Who the fuck goes?" Here? It was. It wasn't even cool wine. Was it that like? Um, what's that club that's under the Maritime Hotel? It's not that. Oh, okay. No. Um, uh, but I, I feel like that's the kind of place though that where like people wait in line to get into, and then when they get in there, they want to drink a bunch of Bordeaux, which seems like. If I'm on the dance floor, the last thing I want to do oh, is a bunch God. of Bordeaux. <laughs> yeah, I can feel this like slowing me down. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and making me want to eat another slice of pizza, but that's oh, unrelated. Yeah, we should probably go. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I think this is really fascinating. Uh, these four bottles mm-hmm. having the sort of common denominator of like being outside of a system, mm-hmm. but being very starkly different the first two versus the second two like what it means to part to be outside of a system either as a complete outsider or as a person who's who can actively participate with could participate yeah, yeah, but yeah. chooses mm-hmm. not to or has been asked not to may, may, <laughs> i want to ask you a question miguel yeah um so you do run a wine program at a chinese restaurant yeah and um you specifically um you mentioned that uh like china's role and like um like i love chinese investment to make wine for the chinese export market mm-hmm. Do you? What do we think? Is is there a, a, a situation where China, like, because it's been rapidly modernizing in so many ways and like jumping, is there a situation where China gets into natural wines or gets into like, I mean, there's like, there, real yeah. wine much faster than one expects. A real a real wine in in scare quotes or like real, real wine as in like uh not like uh factory conventional bullshit wine. So yeah, so I mean the the first the first steps of of China kind of like reckoning it's thirst for wine was completely just copying France, right? So like in Nanshan, for mm-hmm. example, you've got 
a one-to-one replica of Chateau Margaux in the middle of the Chinese mountainside. So fucking and sick. And it's like the and it's the same thing. And so they've hired you know French winemakers to mm-hmm. make French wine in a Chinese place. Is it Chinese? Is it French? Who knows? It's a good terroir question because like what are you actually bringing to the party? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The second thing is that because of that, there are kind of like satellite people who don't have quite as much restrictions with the Chinese government as Americans do mm-hmm. that are making wines for a, a specific market. The Chinese don't under, quite, don't quite understand natural wine yet, mm-hmm. but you know who does? Korea and Japan. Yep. And then the and other Hong Kong and the other places, Denmark. Mm-hmm. And like those, those two between Denmark and Japan, who are like the, the, the most, I guess like dogmatic about like things right. like sulfur or, no intervention mm-hmm. or uh, have really high tolerances to flaws like mouse. They, they have, they are seeing some sort of like captive audiences in those places. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if, um, the current state of government is going to allow us to really explore it that well. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of traditionalist wine, China continues to grow and continues to lead. It's put out, it, it had the highest graduating class of new sommeliers, according to WACT, the last two years. Oh, wow. Um, and it continues to gain buying power in terms of what's coming out of this region, for example, right? There's a reason why you're not seeing vintages of Ekem and Lafitte and Mouton coming mm-hmm. into the US market. It's because it's all being sold 20 years, 30 years ahead of time yeah. to China. Right. Um, or it's going straight to an auction house at the same time that that's happening. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, the driver of the thing is an economy. Now that there's been, I don't know, like Xi Jinping is in his third mm-hmm. term. Uh, I, I don't know. Third what the, friend of the pod. Yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen in terms of. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going to happen in terms of like the. Because there, there is going to be an imminent kind of like redirection of what the Chinese economy is doing right now, right? Mm. Like there's all of these regulations. They're in investing of, in a lot of wine podcasts right now. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> no, but there's there's an there's a there's a much more kind of like critical look about like it's not just tech, it's not just manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Now that, you know, there are other kind of global markets that are really, really pushing that. Culturally speaking, wine is still less of an equation in normal Chinese living. But in elite Chinese circles, wine is absolutely part of mm-hmm. like a daily vocabulary, but it's it's wines like it's wines that aren't these that are on the table. Absolutely not. I, I think wine has wine is still a status symbol. Mm. Um, and part of the thing that we're doing at Pinch is trying to make sure that that's not that it that is that it's doing the opposite thing. Is that like we're bringing as many people, not just into the Chinese food, but like this idea that like Chinese food is a wine cuisine. Um, and I, I think I hope we're doing something well with you know wines like Lapui and. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Ormial that, that we currently have on the menu, for example. The Ormial is ridiculously refreshing right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, hmm, like meow, well, meow, meow. An, an interesting context to think of it in as like as needing a, a sparkling wine to sweep away some of those little tannin boys. I feel like we just answered why they made this, which is like, if you're drinking Bordeaux all day, this is what you fucking want to drink. This mm-hmm. is, it's giving me life. And there is like a serious side to it. So, because like, you know, um, the, the reason behind the, the tink set petna is that, like, it's wine you're supposed to drink after a night of drinking natural wine. Mm-hmm. This is wine you're supposed to drink after a night of drinking Bordeaux. Right. You guys can use that copy if you want, or meow. I was just drinking vermouth at that point. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they'll love that, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this this one's uh, real nice. It smells, it smells like almonds mm-hmm. now. Ugh. I'm happy. Hmm. I mean, not uh, not objectively. I'm happy. Not like Kirk. Michael Cruz happy. No, 
Who could be? No. God, he's so fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to announce it too soon. I think I have a new wine crush, everybody. Wow. Um, wow. Now, I, while we're here, what is the discontents of Bordeaux taught us about Bordeaux? What, what's the question? Remember, so the idea of this season is we're circling around trying to talk about Bordeaux by talking about breaking into parts. Oh, these are the discontents. These are the wines that right. are not Bordeaux, but within Bordeaux. Right. And like we have two wines that are Bordeaux in every way, but Appalachian, but, but mm-hmm. name, mm-hmm. and two wines which I think no one would ever conceivably call Bordeaux until things are radically changed. Well, I mean, I think what we're showing... Uh, and I sort of uh, started talking about this earlier, but like you have a very clear line between two uh, two styles, two ideas, mm-hmm. um, and there's not a there's no conversation happening necessarily t- for me between the first two wines and the second two, sure. other than the conversation of being not within the melee of of the system. Mm-hmm. But other than that, one is still sort of really indebted to what that system created, mm-hmm. and one is a hundred percent. Doesn't give a fuck about what that's. Well, we have wines that are inverting and wines that are subverting. Like, yeah, sure. it's, it's a, to me, it's like it's very similar to like a fashion cycle, right? Mm-hmm. You've got wines who are like they're going to do their tried and trues. They're going to have like their polo shirts and mm-hmm. their slacks and their skirts and whatever else. And you're going to have people who are making like here's a condom shirt, like have fun. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, right. And I think that that's absolutely fine that they're coming from the same place because they're trying to speak about something different about those two places, right? And I think whether or not that's that's generational thing or like a, a money thing, mm-hmm. which is more often the issue. Uh, both often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, like those are the inter, the intertwinedness of those two is like really, really crunchy. I really think carrots is going to get the tail right now. <laughs> oh, shoot, carrots. Get She's so close. You got it. You got it, bro. Um, the you you I think we also got to remember that like wines like wines like Ormeau wines mm-hmm. like um uh wines like the Chez de la Porte de la Lune um they don't have this idea of like what a second or third wine is for a label yeah for sure mm-hmm. right it's I, I've been th- I'm thinking a lot because it's almost time for me to do my uh, my vaunted top ten list for the year and I'm I I want so badly to have an excuse to put a Bordeaux on that list. I'm not feeling like it's going to happen yet, but maybe there's, you know, we'll see for future episodes this season. I don't think that, like, we're going to suddenly realize that we like spoofed wine. Yeah, it's like there's a reason why we're pretty sure we don't. I know. and it, there, But it is interesting how we have that desire to be like, I just want to be tricked. It's like if you... I don't want to be right. Right, yeah. I'd be so much happier if, like, oh, actually, this is better. And I've proved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I imagine it's like when you are a magician and you, you can't actually, like, yeah. you can't We've watch, all been there. <laughs> you, can't, you can't watch magic anymore because you know how it's done. You just want one trick that really tricks yeah, you. Yeah, it's like running a restaurant and going to other people's restaurants and then yeah. being like, oh, they don't, their service sucks. Like, oh, yeah, they're breaking. The wor- like, it's the worst. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, you chose that glassware. Ugh. For 30 cents more, I know you could have gotten this other glassware. <laughs> like being a sales rep and watching someone lie incompetently, it's like, just say it's out of stock <laughs> like come on you don't need a story but people love a story it's called loot raisin yeah but it's like people people love a fucking story and like that i think that that's honestly if bordeaux delivers on anything like that it's like fucking castles and princesses and mm-hmm. like hello like this is absolutely fairy tale wine and like this is this is a region that is like ripe with that kind of like myth making but it's funny that that's this, like the stories that people that the people we deal with mm-hmm. like are not stories about princesses and castles my mom's going to bordeaux now 
to live? She's going on a trip to Bordeaux, and she's like, is there good wine there? I'm like, you should listen to my podcast. <laughs> it might just confuse you more. She's going to love the, the yeah. But to, but to our point before, it's not like, no one in, in like natural wine circles or in the circles that we run in are, are excited about a story of, of people in power, like not really in peril. What we like is people like pulling themselves up from their bootstraps or as made up as those myths might be. The myths usually are ones of came from nowhere, like were ignored yeah, not, for a hundred years. Not like a go, go quietly to, yeah. toil- Not like, oh, like she was locked in a tower mm. and then a prince saved her. Yeah. Like no one wants yeah. that story. Yeah, you know? everybody banded together for this place and made a spaceship to have a house of how a wine museum like yeah 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 started from the bottom now we're here this also by the way looks like it would be in fucking mordor yes this wine museum in bordeaux it looks like mount doom okay yeah end of story okay well um i think that is really i think that's where we're at today do we have any plugs miguel the white wine is the best wine of the day. The white wine souffle is in so can't fucking, fucking decently. Yeah, good. I think number two and number four. The souffle mm-hmm. and the, the Le Puy are just mm-hmm. ah, in, in wonderful places today. Do I have a plug? Mm-hmm. Um, buy, buy my non-alcoholic orange wine. It helps. Oh. It helps Filipino kids get an education. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, How do you do that? You go to drinkproxies.com mm-hmm. or you follow me on Instagram and follow the link on my bio at migaldi one. Mm-hmm. Um, we're it's still Filipino American History Month, so that's pretty great that we get to honor that. Um, buy the zine. Buy the zine. <laughs> you can you can preview this. You can print it up yourself if you buy the PDF. Is this true? Yeah. Wow. Absolutely, you can. What a deal. Um, so join the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash disgorgeous. Um, and if there's if there's anybody out there who's got a production company, come talk to us. Mm. We're making this TV show, but we're going to have to do a lot of showing feet to um, <laughs> fund it ourselves. So um, you know, onlyfans.com yeah. slash disgorgeous. We should probably just poach that, just in case, like just in case we need to do it. <laughs> well, thanks for being here, Miguel. I'm sorry. No, you did good today. You did great. I'm gonna eat some more pizza. Yeah, right, let's have some pizza. Thank right. you, guys. Bye. Bye. Discourteous.